again, everyone, to the Stadium Journey podcast. Thanks for listening. Our website, stadiumjourney.com, is the world leader in sports travel information with reviews of over 2,500 stadiums, arenas, ballparks from all around the world. We're more than just an awesome website. You can connect with us on our social media channels at Stadium Journey. Follow us, like us, retweet us, everything. You can find audio versions of the Stadium Journey podcast very easily. Pick up your phone, wherever you search for your favorite podcast, type in H-I-A-C, Talk Radio Network, will pop right up. If you want to watch video, you always distract me, Dan. <laughs> you want to watch video versions? Hold on here, podcast, I'll do this. That might, no, that might, I might think you died or something. If you would like to watch uh, video <laughs> versions of the podcast instead of just listening, go to our YouTube page. You'll find it all there. And if you want to be part of our studio audience live in the peanut gallery, we record live, we record every other Tuesday night at 7 Eastern at danlaw.tv. And we got the gang all here tonight. Sometimes that's not as easy as it sounds, you know. Mm, no, you, here. you only you knew. Could, you could follow him at ProFan9. Mark Viquez, the Ballpark Hunter, is here. Follow him at Ballpark Hunter. The above-average comedian, Dan Calachico, is here as well. Follow him at danlaw83. Are you showing off your new Proton Pack? Yeah. And I am Paul Baker. You can follow me at PuckmanRI. And uh, we're recording this at the end of January. What's today? The 24th, middle of winter. Some of us are buried in snow. So, of course, where do your oh, thoughts go? Where do your thoughts go? You think of baseball, right? So tonight, we're not going to just talk about the same old, same old baseball like we usually do. We've got Shane Barkley here with us tonight from japanball.com. We're going to talk about some baseball in Japan and some of the fantastic trips and talk about their website and all kinds of good stuff, Japanese baseball. Shane, welcome aboard. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks, Paul. Thanks thanks for inviting me on. I'm, I'm looking forward to a fun time here. Well, let's hope it's fun. Well, now, now you give us expectations to live up to. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you, as you notice, we're all in the darkness and Shane's out in the light. He's out on the West Coast right now having a good old time. So we, we really thank you for making time out of your schedule. So uh, japanball.com, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the website? Sure, yeah. Our, our website is your source for all things Japanese baseball. Uh, if you have just a little bit of curiosity or are a serious fan of NPB, which is Nippon Professional Baseball, which is Japan's major leagues, uh, I recommend you check it out. You can learn about the teams, you can learn about the stadiums. We try to profile um, all sorts of players and uh, just historical things. And, and really just want to give content for people who, have a thirst for baseball and, and are interested in baseball beyond uh, just what's in the U S and if, if you're really into it also on our site, uh, you know, what our, at our core Japan ball is, is a tourism business. We offer baseball tours to Japan um, as well as other international destinations. Um, you know, J Japan's our flag flagship uh, tour, but uh, we go to Korea, Dominican Republic, Europe, uh, and in uh, specific spots in the U.S. as well. Um, so, yeah, we're a baseball tour company, and uh, we just like spreading the gospel of Japanese baseball because we love it. Uh, I think any baseball fan who gives it a chance will fall in love with it as well because it's it's a unique, you know, it's the game we love, but it's a unique version of it. And um, I think most of the quirks and unique things about Japanese baseball are things that uh, your typical baseball fan could appreciate um, uh, in, a, in definitely in a good way. I, I know a tour of the Japanese baseball leagues are, uh, it's a bucket list item for me. Um, 
So for someone who hasn't been exposed to uh, the Japanese brand, what would what would you uh, say is uh, the biggest differences between what you see in North America, what you see over there? That's easy. It's the fans. Uh, the crowd is a completely different experience um, from the American baseball crowd experience or the North American experience. Um, it's more akin to, I'd say, a, a combination of maybe a, a soccer game, how you'd envision in Latin America or other parts of the world where they, they love soccer, and a college football game with uh, the organized cheering and, and the, the cheering sections and whatnot. Um, it's nine innings, 27 outs of locked-in, enthusiastic cheering. No matter the score, no matter where they are in the standings, uh, the fans are loyal, and, and they really view themselves as part of the team. Um, and just to get into a little more detail, so every player on offense, one through nine, has his own specific song, complete with lyrics and percussion that – at the very least, the cheering section, the Owen Don, it's called, they're going to be, you know, doing it at the top of their lungs. But most of the stadium is doing it as well throughout the entirety of his at bat. Um, and so that's nine. There's nine innings of that, and it's pretty cool. There's the home team will sell tickets to the visiting team and let them all sit together so that they can have their own traveling version of the Owen Don as well, and they'll be doing the same thing when their team's at bat. So. Yeah, it's really at nine full innings of of cheering, and and that's definitely the biggest thing that anyone will notice when they go to a game. Wow, you sold me already. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cheering section. I know they do that in Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so is that thing. is that something pre- prevalent in Asian baseball leagues? From what you've yes, seen, it is. Uh-huh. That sounds and, like a lot of fun. Even down, I mean, high school and college baseball are huge in Japan. They do the same thing. Um, and amateur baseball as well. Now, is that uh, when you were talking about the the individualized cheers for different players, is that similar to soccer in that it's organic, it comes from the fans, or is there a production kind of manufactured piece through the teams? Uh, It comes from the the fans. The Owen Don is, I'm not sure the exact affiliation but they are recognized by the team as the official cheering section um but they're the ones that produce it and you know there's like legacy members who are kind of the, the leaders of the Owen Don and they'll come up with the songs and then s- distribute them before the season and fans will be practicing you know I guess these days on YouTube um they'll be practicing the the song so that they're ready to go not even just from day opening day but even in spring training um, I'm sure they work out the kinks a little bit in spring training and in the exhibition games, but uh, yeah, they're, they're all working on it. And um, it's a formalized process, but I think not necessarily from the team itself. Jeez, I work as a PA announcer for a baseball team. That sounds like a lot of pressure on me. If, I, if we had an Owen Don in Brockton. <laughs> well, it's it actually, so it's all done with percussion, you know, um, and singing like there's no actual song that's piped through this through the speakers. It was like a supporters support uh, supporter section on steroids, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, if a player would move from one team to another team, <laughs> that same song follow said player, or are they looking at a whole new entourage, a whole new uh, 
compilation for the player in the new spot? You know, that's a great question. I'm not positive about that. I think that the new fan section would want to have, you know, take the pride in creating their own. Can't be, can't be certain though. I actually don't know because it's a great question. I want to find out myself now. We used to have uh, the Japanese ballparks on our website, didn't we, at one point? Or some of them, at least? Yeah, I think we had all of them. I mean, they're they're still somewhere. They just have to be reloaded. Yeah. Uh, had... Sean, Mc... Sean McDonald lived in Japan right. for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of before, like, when we started Stadium Journey, uh, he was in Japan and then coming back. Um, and, of course, he lives in New York now. So he had brought a lot of those... Japanese baseball reviews, and I believe he did a bunch of Korean reviews as well that were kind of on the original site, which seems like a forever ago now. Well, it was. Um, Shane, one thing I've heard about the Japanese baseball parks is the concession experience is like nothing we would see over here. Is that is that true? Yeah, well, <laughs> of course, the food is definitely different. I mean, there's very few overlaps and say on traditional food like it's not a given that you're going to be able to get a hot dog but you might be able to get like a deep fried prawn that's in a hot dog bun but it's not a hot dog um the like equivalent of a hot dog i'd say the staple which is a pretty typical japanese kind of street food type thing it's called takoyaki which are octopus balls uh but not those type of balls they're like little piece of octopus put in um, a ball of batter that's fried. And then, so you have like kind of a golf ball size thing with batter and then a piece of octopus that you put like some mayo and, and, uh, and pop it in your mouth. And and so that's kind of the, one of the staple foods. Um, And then bento boxes, uh, which is just like a typical Japanese lunch, which is like a, a, a box lunch that's divided into maybe at least five or six different items. Um, so you kind of pick the combo you like that's really common. Um, I always say is matcha everything. Matcha uh, and the green tea, it's, it's really big dessert. Um, they make desserts out of it there. So like matcha ice cream is one of my favorites. Um, so the food is definitely different. The one thing about the concession experience that is that is definitely unique to Japan is uh, the beer vendors. Um, so they have these beer girls. It's I mean, 95% female, I'd say. Um, and they are carrying um, pony keg. Uh, tap. And um, and they're pouring fresh draft beer to your at your seat. And there's not really like pouring rights isn't such a thing. So whichever is your favorite Japanese beer, um, you know, they're like four or five major brands. Like they're pouring it at every stadium. And they're hustling like nine innings um, up and down. In it, it gets hot in Japan in the summer. It's like being in the Midwest, and uh, they're running up and down to get a beer, a fresh poured beer at your seat. And it's like I don't know, six or seven bucks um, for for a beer. Maybe the high end ones like in Tokyo are like eight dollars. So it's really affordable, and um, this. That's uh, 
night, they have mm. hot chocolate. Yes. With the on the like the jet pack. My wife always called it the jet pack of hot chocolate where the yes. guys run around with If that's possibly, that's a good question. I saw that I, Giants are my home team, and so I've had plenty of nights in the bleachers there, freezing my butt off, and that hot chocolate goes by, and you got to get it, you know. And then they, yeah, you, yeah, they have the whipped cream, and they pour that on. In Japan, they also do um, cocktails too, whiskey, uh, whiskey sodas. They also will. They also dispense the pre-mates. They dispense those. I, I should have mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, the big, uh, big bourbon fans out in Japan. Yeah, uh, from what exactly. all the distilleries tell me, it's like, yeah, we just sell our stuff to Japan. We don't even sell them to the Americans. Uh, well, staying on concessions, uh, when you go to a ballpark here, concessions are extremely overpriced, even in the minor leagues these days. What about in Japan? You said a beer was six bucks. What about those octopus balls? Is it something outrageous yeah. or? the the whole concept of of charging you like crazy because it's the only option maybe a japanese person would say you know have a problem but it's not like the you know 100 percent upcharge that you see in american ballparks and the other thing is it's huge um hugely popular to bring your own food in and it's encouraged to do that. Oh. The Japanese is are legendary for their convenience stores, like their seven elevens and, and equivalents are really high quality and they're all opportunity to bring Um, they were pouring the beer and I thought oh they made them pour them out as proof that like they're not going to bring it in turns out all they ask if you're going to bring beer in is you pour it in their cups and then you walk in with the with the beer in a cup So you such, a, yeah. such a foreign concept here in the states. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even if you can bring, I mean, you can bring food to some ballparks, but beer is a no-no. Oh, uh, I, I know the Milwaukee Braves did that back in the fifties, and they stopped and they ticked everybody off. But yeah, that that is a, a strange concept to us. But you know, it seems like that could make sense. You know, I would love to bring my own beer, bring a six pack to a White Sox game instead of paying eleven dollars for a twenty ounce. Uh yeah yeah that and that's all over every ballpark that's mm-hmm. that's yep. okay well yeah we we can learn a lot from the uh, Japanese baseball league totally yeah so with the uh, the beer crew and the and the kegs on their backs does that do they do that also to reduce the trash like are they refilling cups that fans would already have or is that kind of a a no fly zone and fresh cup every time. Um, 
they actually will give you a fresh cup. But it is an interesting topic about the trash because that is definitely another unique aspect of Japanese baseball. I mean, in Japan in general, you don't see a piece of trash on the ground. You could spend a month in the country and you won't see a single piece of trash on the ground. And if you leave a ball, when you leave the ballpark, you won't see a single piece of trash on the ground either. And when you do go throw your trash away, I, I took a video of it last time I was there. I guess it's just amazing. Um, it's not just a trash can or just trash and recycling. It's like eight different um, receptacles where you you put you know your plastic in one, you put your food waste in one, you put your chopsticks in one, you put your bottles and cans in one, and they're every single person diligently separates the trash they you pour your liquid into like a drain spout before you put your cup away and uh one time when i was uh, a couple funny stories about that one time one of our guests um he knew that uh peanuts were probably hard to get and he peanuts are his favorite ballpark snacks so he brought a bunch of them um and he shared them with our group and so naturally everyone started doing what you do with peanuts at a ball game you start oh, dropping the shells yeah. on the ground and one of our hosts, who's um, a Japanese woman, who's like, you know, always trying to make sure that we're, she, oh my gosh, she about had a heart attack and immediately was like, pick those peanuts up. You're going to make us look like ugly Americans. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, everyone was just shocked, but you just kind of get used to it after a while. Um, and the other one I had was I was leaving a ballpark and I just exited the gate or was about to exit the gate and I saw a a group of guys who were like fish swimming upstream trying to work their way against the crowd exiting the ballpark. And I was like, I thought they were, they were, had a lot of determination on their face. And I kind of like took a look at them like, what are those guys doing? And I kind of thought that maybe there was a giveaway of some sort at the gate or they're handing things out and they missed it because they're trying to fight back upstream. Like they needed to get something. And uh, so I stepped aside to, to watch them just in case there was a giveaway or something like that. And I found that they were just fighting their way to the trash cans by the gates. They could throw their trash away. <laughs> now there's That's something awesome. you wouldn't see in America. That's for sure. That <laughs> maybe for Canada. Sure. <laughs> yeah, no. I can't find trash in Toronto either. I mean, maybe certain sections, but it's, it's there. Uh, it's there. Okay. <laughs> Canada's always been very clean compared to what I've seen. Wow, so so those are just a couple differences, and I know some ballparks that I visit, like St. Paul, they have the whole thing of recycling and teaching people where food and waste go. I don't know if you remember that. In uh, other ballparks, I've seen uh, some of their helpers come out with garbage bags, and everybody they go up and down the aisle and they throw away. So you know anything we can learn from Japan about how to keep the ballpark clean, especially throwing peanut shells on the ground because that has to be a pain in the butt. To clean as, up for any ballpark. As someone service. who worked in a ballpark for many years, uh, peanut shell. When some teams, the new trend is going peanut free. Peanut free. I welcome it 100% because cleaning up peanut shells was the biggest pain in the neck out of anything, out of all the other garbage that you come across in a ballpark. Peanut shells, man, they get yeah. everywhere. Well, I know the Florence Yalls. I, I don't think they were the Florence Yalls yet. Uh, they were one of the first, I think they might have been the first. Uh, stadium uh to go into uh to go peanut free i know hartford did right yep soon after and they and the gm said yeah part of it is just cleaning up peanut shells i mean that that's probably just as big of a concern than the peanut allergy uh you know so yeah this is great for us it saves us so much time cleaning 
and it's so accepted it's so accepted here to throw peanuts on the shelf on the floor you go to a steak restaurant you go uh, not uh, one of those texas roadhouses or you visit uh five guys just chuck the peanuts on the floor whatever yeah, the Japanese tourists would have a heart attack if they oh. saw that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, probably somebody didn't come out with a little broom. Yeah, we yeah, and yeah. we we should have a heart attack with that. We we should. Why do we accept peanuts on the floor? The, the uh, Japanese. I don't know if you guys saw in the World Cup. They're they're making a lot. Of, the Japanese fans are making the news because they were picking up the stadium at the end, and uh, that's a thing yeah, that's, that's right. known in, in Japanese right. sports. Like when they travel the world, whether it's uh, usually it's the teams like you'll see, um, you know, in, I don't know the Little League World Series or, uh, you know, amateur tournaments where there's a Japanese national team. They'll be up in the stands cleaning up as a way of not not because they're saying like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how dirty it is, but because cleanliness is something they value and, and they value the hospitality. And it's their way of showing appreciation of, of helping clean up. And, mm-hmm. and so whether it's fans or players, you'll see that all around the world. So having a quick look at at the Japan Ball website and going through the stadiums, a couple of things uh, jumped out at me as being kind of different stadium-wise from Japan to here. And one of the big things was the number of places that have still uh, the sliding pits, which have been all but eliminated in well they are eliminated in major league baseball there might be like one or two just old schools kicking around in minor league baseball uh and it got me thinking that you know we're it feels like we're in that stadium arm race again where you know at the very least teams are talking about putting in millions and millions and millions of dollars into their stadiums or it's time to build brand new stadiums. I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum about like Atlanta where the Braves built theirs. Uh, We've talked about, you know, Texas and whatnot. Are the stadiums in Japan viewed the same? Like, is there still that, is there that arms race? Is there that push uh, to get newer facilities with more revenue streams and more, luxury items, et cetera, et cetera, that we have here? Yeah, good question, because they're, well, I'll start by this. No, that is not a concept there. Um, The ballparks are pretty, you know, just functional, I'd say. Um, There is, the newest ballpark is in Hiroshima, and that's the one where, you know, if any of you guys are going to it, you'd feel like, oh, yeah, this is kind of looks like a modern ballpark as as you know them to be. Most of them are, you know, uh, symmetrical um, and they're none of them are that new. It's kind of like more the, I don't know, 70s era baseball parks. So it's a little bit of throwback in that way. So it's really for, for the most part, it's just all about the fan and game experience. Like they haven't really started to do the whole stadium as an attraction concept um one the team the Rakuten Eagles in Tohoku they've they've started to incorporate some of that they're kind of a little more forward-thinking team Rakuten's a big tech company so you know they're kind of have a more modern way of doing things and uh they have a Ferris wheel and and things like that at the park so that was a big deal in Japan like it was I think a lot of people viewed it as kind of heresy but they're saying they got that from the U.S. of like let's try to get 
families and and fans out here, um, regardless of you know, regardless of how the team's doing, like just to come to the park. And then um, the reason why I hesitated when you first asked the question is that the newest ballpark that's just about to open. Um, so Hiroshima was the newest until this year is uh, in Sapporo, the the Northern Island of Japan um, where the fighters play. And it is insanely beautiful. And if you, if you look at the, um, the drawings, the renderings of it, uh, I mean, there's, it's about to open up. So there's photos of it now too, but it's unreal. It, it looks like it could, um, based on what I've seen, it could be uh, at least be in the race with any MLB or any park in the world as far as the coolest park. Like it's incorporated into this huge development that's like a has nature and uh, has this, I don't know, like the Minnesota Vikings have that big open window on one side. It kind of looks like that. Sapporo gets really cold, especially early in the season. Um, so it's uh, retractable. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm looking. At I, it. It's called Escon. Um, our site. I, we're working on the page for it for our site, so you might be looking for it there. We don't have our um, haven't gone live with our page on our site for it yet. But uh, Escon Field Hokkaido is unreal, and I'm I'm kind of hopeful that that creates uh, a bit of an arms race uh, for better for worse. You know, sometimes you know it creates some more, makes it more expensive and yeah. whatnot. But you know, the, the fact is, is that in Japan. The ballparks are not, um, they're not the attraction, you know, and I think that they could do a better job with that. Um, they don't have to go so extreme, but the fighters, I think, are going to really, um, I'm hoping that they do really well as far as the team's not very good. And I feel like people are going to show up just because of the ballpark. And uh, if that happens, then I think other teams might take a cue from them and, and hopefully we'll have a, a little bit of a new wave of ballparks in Japan. Yeah, it could be like the Camden Yards of uh, Japan. Exactly. Exactly. Just set the I, style. I wouldn't be surprised if it is because it's it's just like so much better than all the yeah. other ones. No, I'm looking at the pictures here. The uh, how the uh, it's not a dome. It's just like a roof that just opens up and slides over in mm -hmm. separate pieces. And you're right; it is very stunning. And uh, how big is that stadium? I don't know the seats on yeah. it, but all the all the the parks there are all a little bit smaller than MLB yeah. standard yeah. MLB size. You know, I guess I think that one is a little more intimate, like maybe in, into thirty thousand somewhere. Thirty five thousand, yes. Yeah. Which you know that that's that's a good size for a ballpark. <laughs> yeah, I'm all in, in some I'm cities here. That. Yeah. So which uh, which Japanese stadium would be kind of like the the classic, like the grandfather, or like the, the one to well, see? Probably not. Yeah like Wrigley Field or Fenway in age, but have that, you know, status. <laughs> I'm glad you set me up that way because they actually have two ballparks that are about 100 years old. Mm -hmm. And um, so those are the two that come to mind. So the first one is uh, Jingu Stadium or Meiji Jingu Stadium. Uh, that was built in, in the 20s, I want to say. Um and it was built for college baseball to host their big tournament. Cause like I said, uh, amateur baseball is, is really big there. And actually amateur baseball was huge and was the biggest show in town for most of baseball's existence in Japan, which is 150 years. Um, 1872 is when baseball started in Japan. And then um, it was a, an amateur game for most of its existence and, and college and high school baseball 
um, were all the rage. So they built Jingu Stadium, and they also built um, Koshien Stadium, which they built that for the high school baseball championship. Uh, so Jingu Stadium is home of the Swallows in Tokyo, and Koshien Stadium is home of the Hanshin Tigers um, farther south in Nishinomiya, which is kind of by Osaka. And um, those are the historic ballparks. Uh, Koshien has Ivy on the outside of the stadium, so it kind of has that in common with Wrigley Field. Um, they're the two two of I'm I'm sure it's less than five. I don't know. Maybe they're the only two ballparks that are still being used uh, for professional baseball. That um, well, I guess the, sorry, I'm I'm going. But my point is, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig played there. So you have Fenway, you have Wrigley. Um, I know Ruth played in in Wrigley. I think that's where he did his called shot, right? But um, yeah, that's where it was. And of course, he played in Fenway. Um, but he played in these two ballparks too. And I think that those might be the only four that are left. Maybe, maybe there's another one out there. It's interesting. I like, like looking at your pictures of, of <laughs> Jingu stadium, I would never, ever guess that that was built in 1926. Yeah. It looks like, it looks like a, a 1970s era stadium. Yeah. They renovated a little bit and actually there, there's a, a petition going around uh, to save it because there's this, this obnoxious development project where they want to tear it down and um the people are trying to fight back because of all its history and it would really ruin the like it's it's not going to be a beautiful stadium it's it's about the development around the park more so than the park so um it's yeah it's nothing you said like you said it's when you look at it it's nothing amazing uh but the history there is amazing and uh Koshien, though, is is really the one, like we were talking about the one ballpark. Uh, that's the one. It's got the it's got the most history and it's the most unique. It's got an all dirt infield, which is, as far as I know, it's the only pro ballpark in the world that's all dirt. So that in itself, you just see it, you walk up and it's it's interesting. But that dirt is like hallowed dirt and mostly or pretty much 100 percent because um it's home of the the high school baseball championship. Like I said, it's called the Koshien championship. And that is by far the biggest sporting event in Japan every year. Um, it's like a combination of March madness and the super bowl. Uh, and I say that because in format, it's like March madness. It's a single elim- elimination event that like encompasses the whole country. And then like the super bowl, just as far as prestige and how big a deal it is. And uh, the Hanshin tigers, which are, probably the number two most popular team in Japan gets sent out on the road for a couple weeks um, every year and playing on road games or in alternate home stadiums because the high school baseball takes precedent. And the stadium was built about a hundred years ago for the sole purpose of high school baseball. And they're respecting uh, its origins. And one other thing that kind of jumped out at me about the stadiums when I'm looking at your pictures, the amount of foul territory yeah. in each of these parks now is that a result of like i know when you say a lot of foul territory here you would say probably uh, toronto and oakland as a result of being like a multi-purpose design stadium were the stadiums there or are they designed for other purposes as well as baseball or that's just kind of the way they've done it i think it's it's a little bit of both i think a lot of it started with just these, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of, um, they weren't trying to give a lot of charm to it. You know, it's just like this kind of symmetrical concrete beast, you know, um, there aren't really other professional sports 
at least when these stadiums were built in Japan, that would have like the soccer league, for example, was not a big deal when these stadiums were being built. So I don't think that was really part of the purpose, uh, except for the Sapporo Dome, which is now no, uh, being replaced by Escon Field, which we talked about in Hokkaido. Sapporo Dome has been host to like cross-country skiing, World Cup soccer, rugby, all sorts of stuff. And, and uh, I thought it was pretty cool that they have like skiing events in in there. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, Tokyo Dome hosts like, you know, like big concerts and stuff like Michael Jackson and Prince, like back in the day, like with, you know, those, those level performers. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's really like, it's interesting. The teams in Japan are owned by corporations. Um, like they represent the corporation more so than the city, like yeah, in, in name and the corporations just viewed these teams originally as a marketing arm of their company. So like if you're, um, SoftBank, uh, you just view this team as like a just a way for people to get to know your brand. They weren't really putting a ton of thought into all the intricacies of baseball, even to the extent of the GM of the team might be like a VP of marketing from the company who just like rotated into this gig running the team. And that's changed a lot now. You know, it's it's not so much um, the case anymore. You know, they they do more exist as an entity that is here to win and, and, uh, and make money. Um, but you kind of see uh, from the culture in Japan, some leftovers of that mindset. So I'm looking at the map of the, uh, the two Japanese leagues and that's like the uh, equivalent of the American and national league, right? Yeah. Um, 12 teams total. How feasible is it to, to visit all 12 teams in say a two week period? Uh, well, it's very feasible if you come with us. <laughs> so, so we, we do uh, we do a tour every year. Um, where so the way our tour is set up to Japan, like we do an annual trip at the end of the summer to Japan, um, at least one. But our our flagship tour, if you do the whole thing from start to finish, it's usually maybe uh, I think this year will be sixteen or seventeen days. Uh, you'll see all twelve teams nice. play a home game. So you can knock them all out in in one trip. And it's not easy putting that together because, you know, the schedule is different every year. You can't just replicate the same tour every year. Um, But the bullet trains are what make it possible. You can cover the whole – we'll take one flight usually per tour, and that's up to Hokkaido where we talked about. Um, And uh, they're actually building a a train eventually to get up there. Um, But for now, you got to fly. It's a short flight. Um, But you get – five maybe six teams you could do a day trip from tokyo uh there's three teams in the osaka area so you can knock them all out and um most people who come on our tours that's a bit much for them and maybe they have the goal of doing all 12 but uh you know they don't have maybe the time or money to do them all at once so we divide our tour into three segments and and then plus a tokyo only segment so really four choices where people can kind of pick and choose how many games they want to go to and the main tour this year will be, I think, eight games. And then you can do two game segments. So you can do two games, you can do eight games, you can do 10 games, you can do 12 games, or you can do the five games in Tokyo. And um, and that's like the way we we offer it up to our guests. And we'll have a handful of people every year who do the whole thing. And, and uh, you know, and then we they get into the Japan Ball Hall of Fame if you see all 12 ballparks. So then that's a little carrot at the end, other than just having those notches on your belt. 
at the end of that two week time period? Are are you just dead, worn out, tired, or is it doable? I mean, I know it wouldn't I mean, be like trying to do like the whole American League in two weeks. That that'd be impossible with the distances. But you definitely are. Um, you definitely are tired, and we have to. We can't have too many off days because we also have to be respectful of people are flying to Japan for two weeks. So you can't make it like a month long trip. Um, the one thing that definitely works in our favor is you're going north south and you're not changing time zones. There's only one time zone in Japan. Um, and then we try to do it so that, for example, I said there's five, five or six teams in Tokyo, depending how you want to cut it up, where you can see them uh, just with in in a day trip. So we'll try to keep a base in Tokyo, a base in Osaka, um, and spoke out from there as much as possible so that it's not packing up your luggage every single day and going to a new hotel. But there is a lot of that. And we just treat it as a, hey, this is a baseball road trip. You know, mm-hmm. like we're hitting the road. We're all in this together. Try to pack light. Uh, hop on the train. And the trains are so easy and smooth so you can sleep. And you don't have to do the whole check-in and all that like you would for an airplane. So, um, and, and you know, on our tour, it's my job to make it as smooth as possible. So, like, the re- – you can do it on your own if you want, but like if you pay Japan wow. ball to do it, then we're going to make it so that you can kind of relax and not stress sure. and just follow yeah. directions, you know, just like, okay, we're going here today. And uh, we still give you plenty of time if you would like, if you don't want to just nap uh, to explore the cities we're going to. Uh, but we try to say like, Hey, we're going to the game. This is where you want to be for the hotel, for the game. Um, and then to, for checkout is what time you got to be there. We try to build in as much freedom because I don't want to be doing the whole, like hold the umbrella and everyone follow me and you can't make a move without being with the group. You know, we try to incorporate um, freedom within that, that journey that we're on. How long have you been uh, putting on these trips, Shane? So Japan ball has been doing it since 1999. Uh, Bob Bavesi was the guy who founded the company from the famous Bavesi family. Um, he founded the Everett Aqua Sox and uh, kind of his whole family was in kind of baseball operations and GMs and all this mm-hmm. stuff. But Bob was like, I don't want to be able to get fired from my job. So he goes more of an entrepreneur and he started Japan ball mm-hmm. in 1999. And actually going back to our first, um, what we first talked about, his first idea was he wanted to bring minor league baseball operators to Japan to teach them a thing or two about how, how they do it in Japan. And so that's how it started out. Um, and then he quickly just moved to bringing fans over to Japan. Um, and I worked with Bob's brother, Bill, uh, who is the former GM of the Mariners and Angels. Uh, I worked with him at Ma- uh, Major League Baseball in the commissioner's office. And in 2018, I was looking to leave back home for California. And um, I really wanted to do something in, in baseball tourism because in my job, I really liked organizing events and trips. And uh, so he introduced me to to Bob who had get some mild sauce (laughs) and um and so Bob taught me he said hey I'll I'll teach you about uh baseball tourism and come on one of my tours and and I can show you what I know and uh I didn't realize at the time but he was looking to get out and retire he had just bought a boat wanted to sail and um so I took over Japan ball after doing a few trips um as a guide in 2020 right before covid hit i took over japan ball so that's awful timing <laughs> but uh so i've been doing it for i guess you know covid um counting those covid years five years um but i'm excited to get back because we haven't been able to go to japan um since the end of 2019 and uh 
in the meantime, I've been expanding to other countries that we were able to go to. Um, but, you know, Japan is is where it's at for us. So can't wait for that. That just sounds like an amazing trip. That is something I've always dreamed of doing. So I may have to keep in touch with you after this podcast. Yeah, please so, do. So you were talking about uh, expanding into other countries. What what other places do you, uh, does Japan ball cover? Korea, correct? Yeah, Korea. Um, KT Wiz. We're going uh, this year. We're just, it's going to be a quick trip to Korea. The idea is um, to just go to games in Seoul. And there's a bunch of teams in Seoul. So you can go to to four different ballparks there. Um, and that's in conjunction with Japan. So what we're offering for our guests is, I mean, if you really want to do it, you could do Korea and then do the whole Japan trip. That would be about three plus weeks. Um, but we have it set up so that, you can do the Korea trip, which is like, I think it's going to be uh, five, five days, four games in five days, something like that. Uh, I have to, I'm about to confirm them this week. That's why I don't have the, the full concrete info, but, and then you can hop over to Japan and do a couple games in Tokyo or do the main tour and, and kind of, like I said, they have those different tour segments, so you can chop it up how you want, um, but just kind of do an Asian baseball trip. And uh, we haven't done a whole lot in Korea, so that's why I'm just take, starting off slow. Um, and eventually, I'd like to get to the point where we're tra- you can see all the KBO teams. Um, but, you know, right now our focus is in getting back to Japan. So there's Korea, um, the Dominican Republic. I used to live and work in the Dominican Republic for Major League Baseball, and I studied abroad there. It's like a second home to me. And that was actually my original. Um, when I left MLB, I, I was looking to do baseball tourism to the DR bringing teams there and whatnot. Um, and so we do tours there for the winter league and we go and, and go to the MLB team academies and um, it's a really open baseball culture there. And, and I have a lot of friends and former uh, colleagues and whatnot. So we're able to get a really like, in, I say it's like a deep dive in the Dominican baseball machine when we go to DR. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have uh, Europe. We're making in every other trip. There's a thing called a, uh, Honk ball week. Honk ball is baseball mm-hmm. in Dutch. It's an amazing event. Um, we went there this past summer. And uh, when it comes back to Harlem in 2024, we'll go back. And I'm, I'm hoping to combine that with a jaunt over to either the Czech Republic or Germany. Um, and then uh, we have the USA as well. So try to keep it a little more unique for the USA ones this year. It's Washington State uh, going to minor league games, major league games independent league games and then hopping up to Alaska for the midnight sun game. Um, so the midnight sun game I'm, I'm super pumped for and, and I haven't been yet, but I feel like it's should be on everyone's baseball bucket list. We've discussed the midnight sun game a bunch of times on this show. Yeah. And I think that's how you and I got in touch because uh, that's exactly. the midnight sun game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we had um, the uh, PR PR slash uh, radio play by play. Oh, what the heck was her name? She's with the Portland Sea Dogs now. Emma. Emma Tiedman. Emma Tiedman. I think she worked up in Alaska that for one year. Have and any of you guys been? No. no, you know, you know, it's fun. just getting to Alaska is a you know kind of a pricey trip. And I looked at it during the COVID years, and then the year after, <laughs> you could even rent a car. It's it's not a very good looking ballpark. I mean, the experience <laughs> is no. there. It's just it looks like a our director set from some reason, but. You know, and I, no, I've, I've, that it's, that's probably one of the experiences I, I, everybody wants to do. I, I've never really 
been that gung ho. I I know I looked into going up there with uh, Japan Ball, and you know it's you know I'm like okay, do I go to Alaska to do one game, or do I you know drive out to Washington, you know fly to Washington State and check out a bunch of summer collegiate ballparks and scoop them all up? You know that's kind of the catch twenty two that I'm in. Totally, but yeah, I'm I mean, sure I would love it. It's not easy getting up there. I find yeah. that most people who want to go, you know, I mean Alaska in the summertime is is amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, it's kind of like, yeah, you're going to go to the game because that's a really unique baseball experience, but you got to kind of make it about more than just the game. Cause otherwise yeah, it's kind of a, a long way to go <laughs> to go to like a high school style ballpark. Right. <laughs> yeah. that That's my problem when I go on trips and uh, this is my wife and I fight over, you're just going out. We're not going out there to see a ballpark every day. And it's like, <laughs> you you know, it's like, it's like it's become an obsession, you know. Why can't I? I would love to just travel someplace and not see a sporting event. Huh. That'd be very hard for me to do, and it's you know I got to tell that? myself who does that. I did that <laughs> once, and I regret it. Oh, normal people, normal people. So do I mean, that. like right. I'll be in Alaska instead of saying, "Wow, you get to see the Midnight Sun game." You do see a game, and you get to enjoy the natural beauty of uh, the Last Frontier. You know, it, it's just that should resonate with me you know you okay you'll see one game and you'll get to joyce alaska you've never been up there so there you go feed your you jones know, and then get to a, enjoy punch it. me in the face <laughs> knock some scent into me well dave <laughs> once dave once called ballparks for, for folks like us who like to travel it and visit different places he's called them pokemon one time because we got to collect them all and <laughs> like you yeah. said mark it becomes an obsession <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's terrible i hate it yeah, my wife uh, went I'm with her junkie. father and my son to Alaska uh, probably about five years ago now, and they loved it. Yeah. Didn't go to the ballpark or anything like that, but um, the Alaska Bureau of Tourism was a huge help. It, it it was a totally different planning experience than we'd ever had before, where we would plan each individual piece ourselves, where <clears throat> for for planning Alaska, it was better to go through the tourism board. And then there was like, okay, well, here we're going to get you here and in this hotel and on this train and this and that. And yeah, it was, uh, it was a, a pretty amazing experience for them. When yeah, I looked into Alaska, the, the thing I wanted to do is there, there is a, like helicopter tours that will take you. Mm like from Fairbanks all the way through the, the national park there and past, what is that, Mount Sinai, Mount McKinley? I forget what it's called yeah, now. Yeah, McKinley. Denali yeah. now, they call it. Denali, Denali. that's it. And then uh, all the way up to the northernmost point, what is that, uh, Cape Barrow? And you stay overnight there, and then you helicopter back the next day. That is a piece I wanted to try to tie in if I ever make it up there. Yeah, that's what my, my parents are coming on this Alaska tour, and that's what they're they're going to – a lot of people who come on who are coming on this are kind of extending it on the front or back end. And my parents are doing one of those helicopter tours too. That seems like a, a way to go. There's the train there, which is really cool because you get all the scenic views, right. uh, but it's pretty slow and the helicopter, you get the views too. And then, and then it's uh, you know, you're right there. So that's a good, you got to make it happen, Paul. <laughs> huh, if I was a rich man. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the, the other part is my schedule. I'm working for so many teams. I don't get the time off during the summer. So yeah. Well, in the winter. we'll make it work someday. I, I get to retire in about 10 years, <laughs> yeah. so we'll see what happens. Yeah, good Alaska in the winter then. There you go. <laughs> hey, you know what? One, another one of the things I'm trying to do is visit all the NCAA college hockey rinks, and I'm about halfway mm. through. There's two up in Alaska. 
There but, you yeah. go. Yeah. Do you yeah. want to go to Alaska in January or February? I don't know. Do you want to see the sun? <laughs> I mean, Anchorage would be one thing. That would be okay. But Fairbanks is another story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dave, you said you had another one more uh, question about the Japanese leagues. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I dislike the most about like club soccer in Europe is the lack of parity. So you have all of these leagues where essentially there's one team or two teams and they dominate forever and ever and ever. Uh, England, maybe you've got three. Uh, how is the how is the parity in in Japanese baseball? Is it you know? Do you have uh, teams that'll go from bottom to top over over time, or is it always the same sort of two or three? Or how is how is the the parity there? I say there's very healthy parity. Uh, historically, the Tokyo Giants, the Yamiuri Giants, were just utterly dominant. I mean, they created the league, they create all the rules, they are able to break the rules and make the rules to fit them. There's still oh, a little Yankees. bit of a yeah, they are. They're oftentimes compared to the Yankees, but it's like not. I mean, the Giants were the only team broadcast across the whole country for for a long time. So it's like, or it actually still, I think, is the case. It's like the Yankees times ten because, I mean, yeah, the Yankees also have a way to influence things in their in their mm-hmm. favor even today. Um, but the Giants uh, always had that mindset, but. Because they kind of um, are been stuck in their ways, other teams have realized that we can start treating this like a more uh, focused. Or I mentioned earlier, right? These these teams originally existed as marketing arms of the company. Like they didn't exist necessarily to win, and and uh, they weren't really well run. And so now teams, it's a competitive advantage to really you know, invest more in player development, you know, analytics is starting to creep more into the game. Uh, they're paying, you know, their other teams are willing to just pay more money for the players. And so there's just a more competition now. Um, and yeah, there's definitely been even just as of late, some good worst to first uh, stories. And um, there's a lot of teams that like could do a lot more, um, but that is creeping more into the culture. And um the SoftBank Hawks did have a dynasty for the last uh, close to 10 years. Um, but that's just because they're doing things really well and not, and they were willing to spend the money, but it's more about spending the money on the entirety of your operation than it is just about, um, about buying all the best players. One thing that they refused to do was um, sell their players to MLB teams, which the players didn't like, but mm-hmm. it helped their team a lot because they said, we're not going to just, you know, I mean, for a lot of the other teams, it's an easy way to get, whatever, a million bucks, 10 million bucks, maybe more, depending how good the player is. And they would just do it because like, why not? And the Hawks are like, we're not going to do that. We want to win. And so the teams who really set themselves to winning and and have a good strategic plan are, are able to, to win in this league, which I really appreciate. Um, And uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely not the English, you know, EPL style where some teams just literally don't have a chance. What is the setup there? Is there a minor league for the, for the Pacific and Central leagues like there is here, or how does how do things work? I know there is, but it's it's there's a lot that they could do there. And and it, when you hear, um, well, I'll just say this: I think as far as getting a competitive advantage, that's one thing teams 
could really do to get an advantage is is have more minor league teams. Um, most of them just have one team. Some have two teams. Um, there's a pretty big gap between uh, the top, you know, the big league team and the minor league teams. The games are not well attended. There's this whole idea of, um, you know, we all love, all of us here on this call love minor league games and, and the novelty of it. That that concept doesn't really exist in Japan in the same way. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, minor league baseball is not such a big thing. And I think that's a big opportunity from a fan and business perspective, but definitely from a baseball perspective to really like get more players into the system and, and invest in developing them to help the big league team. All right. So uh, since you're on the stadium journey podcast, Shane, we're going to uh, put you to the test here. What are some of your favorite ballparks you've been to? And we're not, we're talking anywhere, not just Japan, not just you know, United States anywhere. Yeah. Well, I definitely say, you know, we talked about San Francisco. That is Oakland and San Francisco are my home bark ballparks. I love the giants. It's my favorite one in, in the major leagues. Um, the A's are like, I love going to A's games too, because the character's there and it's just a unique mm-hmm. experience, but I just love the Giants ballpark. So that definitely is one of my favorites, uh, in Japan, I love Jingu stadium, which we talked about because the fan experience and they're kind of the, the little brother to the giants and, and it's just a nice outdoor ballpark right in the heart of Tokyo, um, elsewhere in the world, um, I love Estadio Tetelo Vargas in in San Pedro in the Dominican Republic. It's not the most amazing stadium, but San Pedro is like the soul of baseball down there. Like it's just you know, baseball is in the is in the water in San Pedro de Macorís, uh, which is the full name of the town. Uh, so that definitely comes to mind. Um, and the San Jose Giants, which is really my true hometown, fall park, and have a lot of nostalgia growing up going to games there so i don't know those are just rattling some off the top of my head but i've been to ballparks all over the world and i, and I love them all for different reasons <laughs> absolutely that's why that's why we visit so many right that's why we have a website called stadium journey that's why we have websites yeah. called japanball.com so yeah. i guess before we wrap up shane let me give you a a chance to uh pedal the site uh pedal social media where can people get in touch with you if they have interest in some of these fantastic trips that you're putting out well, you mentioned japanball.com, so that's a good starting point. Um, if you're interested about our tours or about getting our Japanese baseball newsletter, uh, you can sign up for our newsletter on japanball.com. That's a good way to keep in touch, and I send out updates of our tours there. Um, we're on social media, uh, on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, YouTube. Um, all of those are our handle is japanball. Um, technically, on Instagram, it's japanballtravel, but... Um, if you search for Japan ball, you'll find us on any of those. Uh, we're putting out content um, just to help people know about how awesome Japanese baseball is and some interesting stuff. And, and then of course, promoting our tours and, and uh, you know, different things we got going on with Japan ball. So um, this year coming up, we have uh, the Washington state and Alaska midnight sun game tour in June. Uh, we have Japan and Korea in September. We have the Dominican Republic in November uh, we're going to go to Okinawa, um, the island in, in Japan, for spring training next February. And then we'll go back to uh, the Netherlands for Honkball Week in, in um, next summer. So 
if anyone is even remotely interested in, in going on any of those tours, uh, give us a follow, sign up for the newsletter. You can sign up on our site for, uh, we have interest, it's called the no obligation interest list. You just put your mm -hmm. name in and kind of let us know you're thinking about it. And then that way we will keep you informed of all the updates and you don't have to put a deposit down or anything uh, for any of our tours. Um, and uh, that way you can just kind of keep it in mind. I understand that a lot of people, it might not be this year. It might be two or three years or even five or 10 years till they can come on one of our tours based on the investment in time and money. And that's totally cool. Just follow us and keep in touch. And when you're ready to come, uh, you know, we'll be ready for you. Shane, you brought up one thing I, we didn't even touch on, which it just really fascinated me that I would have never thought of is that you talked about the Japanese leagues having spring training down in the Southern Island of Okinawa. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't th thought about Japan doing the same thing there that we do here with Arizona and Florida. That was really, yeah. I mean, it's uh it's just a matter of, of the weather, you know, same thing. Um, right. Japan gets pretty cold depending how far North you are, but um, so the teams go down to Okinawa in February, just, yeah, just like the Americans, uh, American teams. And uh, it's similar. In, it, there's the backfields. It's free. You can watch them practice. Mm. They play only day games. Um, lots of the, it's lots of them are just scrimmages, but they have some proper ticketed games. It's not such a big tourist thing. You know, spring training has blown up in the U S it's still awesome. I love spring training, but it's kind of like going to spring training in, you know, seventies or eighties or, or prior. That's kind of how it is in Japan. So I'm really excited to bring a group wow. there next year. Yeah. You, you think about it. Um, like I think it's Sapporo, especially up in the North, that's cold enough that they had an Olympics there in 72. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, all right, great, great stuff. And, and uh, yeah, japanball.com. And that's how we got in touch, like I said. And uh, I'm on your newsletter now. It comes out and it's very informative. It's really a, a pleasure when I get that in the, in my inbox every every week or so. Yeah, well, thank thank you for, for reaching out, Paul. Yeah, I appreciate that very much. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys and meet you all. Hopefully I can catch a ball game with, with one or all of you at some point down the road um and uh yeah i appreciate what you guys are doing a lot you know the resource that you guys provide a lot of people in our community use it um and we, we have a lot of ballpark chasers that come on our trips and so uh yeah you all are, are part of the family and all right and, uh, that's it we're not really competition competition that's really all we need to hear part of the same family do you hear that we're part of the family we're moving in the basement yeah <laughs> <laughs> i am in the basement um <laughs> all right so uh dan you got anything going on next couple of weeks besides your crazy work schedule? And where can our our listeners follow you? You can watch me slowly go insane. Nice or quicker. Uh, awesome. Dan, Lloyd. I got news for you. It's not. It hasn't been a slow trip. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Mark, how about that's, you? That's any, probably uh, true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> any stadium journeys on the itinerary? And where can our listeners follow you? Uh, yeah, I'm going to check out some, uh, college basketball in Cincinnati and Xavier, hopefully do a double header that day. And that's the only thing that's, that's on my list. Uh, could do some local Indiana high school venues, uh, this weekend. We'll just see how scheduling is, uh, check out ballpark Hunter on YouTube, subscribe, like comment, tons of videos. And this week, uh, it's a little hockey, a little uh, Lehigh Valley slash Wheeling Nailers. You can check out that video. Uh, and you can also follow me on Twitter, where I uh, always seem to be posting something of interest. So find me there at Ballpark Hunter. I loved Wheeling. It had such a 70s vibe to it. Yeah, Wheeling was fun. Wheeling was <laughs> like an ideal size for that city, that league. And it was a good good vibe. 
great pizza down the street. So yeah, thumbs up. I was close. Dave, uh, you got anything planned and where can our listeners follow your adventures? Yeah, this Friday, it's a brand new hockey facility for the Brock Badgers Canada Games Park. So I'm looking forward to that down in in Thorold, which is like across the road from St. Catharines. Got some Waterloo Warriors, uh, either hockey or basketball and or basketball coming up. And of course, some Wolf Laurier Golden Hawks hockey and basketball. The end of the season's coming up real soon. And I think I might just sneak down to Niagara to catch some Niagara Purple Eagles basketball. So you can follow any, all, some, none of that at ProFan9 on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and as for me, you can follow my stadium journeys on Twitter and Instagram at PuckmanRI. Uh, it's the busy season for this PA announcer. So I will be at UMass Dartmouth. I've got several basketball and hockey games. Um, I've got a couple of Brown hockey games coming up and a couple of Boston Pride games coming up. I may sneak out. I actually have a day off next Sunday. I may head down to the new basketball arena at Fairfield University. And I oh, may yeah. be heading up to UMass for a basketball game, but that's all depending on if I'm not, you know, dead tired. So, like I said, Puckman RI for those. Uh, and remember, folks, you can find all of our stadium reviews, all 2,500 of our stadium reviews, news items, and other feature stories on the website, the mothershipstadiumjourney.com. It's new and improved. I hope you're enjoying all the work that went into that. Uh, connect with us on our social media channels. We're at Stadium Journey. Again, if you're looking for audio versions of the pod, this podcast, say you want to listen on your way into work, search HIAC Talk Radio Network wherever you look for your favorite podcast, and you'll find us. If you're looking to sit down at your desk and goof off at work and watch a video simulcast, go to Stadium Journey's YouTube page, and we'll be there. And you can join us for our live streams every other Tuesday night at 7 Eastern at DanLaw TV, DanLaw.TV. Uh, Gregory, I'm sorry we didn't include your your stuff on peanuts. Gregory had some interesting uh, other reasons why ballparks don't like to have peanut shells hanging around. Um, we'll be back in two weeks. Mark, you've got a guest book for us, the gra- a graphic artist and the designer of the Charles the Charlotte Knights logo, among yes. others. I, his name slips my mind. What is David C. Rock, David Rockman of David C. Rockman Design. All right, that's uh, February seventh, two yes. weeks from now. And as always, thanks, everyone, for your support. Shane, thanks once again for joining us tonight. This is a great conversation, and I really want to go to Japan now. For Dan, Mark, and Dave, this is Paul wishing you all a safe stadium journeys and close games wherever you go. Hope to see you all on the road again real soon. Be safe out there.